Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Sue, for putting up with Jim singing all throughout the week, checking, testing the songs. We learned that this morning in Sunday school. It's pretty good. Well, believe it or not, we have finished the book of John. <laughs> so we are going to start a new book, a new letter, a new epistle this morning, uh, Galatians, the book of Galatians. I think it's a great uh, epistle to examine after we've gone through the gospel of John and how John just just uh, has laid out for us um, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Christ, and that by believing that Jesus died for your sin and trusting in his accomplished work alone and receiving that from your head to your heart and trusting in that alone is the means in which God's unmerited love is bestowed upon us. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to earn favor with God. John so eloquently demonstrated that to us and demonstrated his, Jesus' power over creation. He demonstrated Jesus being God in the flesh and that that is the Jesus we must believe in. And the book of Galatians speaks to that as well. But it actually is written by the Apostle Paul in, to a region of Galatia where the church he had established began to accept false teaching about what the gospel is. Immediately, uh, the church, the gospel message begins to be attacked by what looks to be people who claim to be Christians. And they come into these, this region of Galatia and they begin to change the gospel message. And Paul writes to rebuke them. Paul writes to correct them. And so it's a good uh, letter for us to examine because here we stand 2,000 years later with many different false teachings out there attempting to change the definition of what the gospel is. That beautiful picture of the gospel that we found in the gospel of John is changed and perverted to uh, include all these different things that you have to do to add to what Jesus has done in order to have salvation. And so nothing's new, nothing new is under the sun. And so this rebuke, this correction that Paul gives to the Galatian church, or the, the churches in the Galatian region, is something that we can hold fast to today. And when Jude tells us to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, right? The book of Galatians is a book that if you and I know, we can, we can share with others and demonstrate to them that there is no other need other than to receive and believe Jesus' accomplished work alone for salvation. So we're just going to read the first ten verses this, this morning and kind of introduce you to this letter and kind of give you the historical background. That's really important as we study God's Word that we take the context in which the author was writing the letter and who he was writing to and the region, the, what kind of people they were and what the struggles were. All those things are very important for us to, to understand and to know when we study a book. We never want to just take uh, an ancient historical document like the epistle to the Galatians and then just apply it to our common, uh, what we're doing here in 2020. There's application, obviously, but we always want to take the context in which it was written uh, and uh, let the author speak. It's inspired. It's God-breathed, right? That we believe that the scriptures are inspired by God. And so we desire for the author to... Uh, 
to communicate to us what his intention was through the inspiration of the Spirit. Our goal is not to, to change the teaching, but to, to really understand what Paul is writing. So let's go ahead and get into it. If you have your Bibles this morning, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10 is where we're going to be at. And the Word of God says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be upon him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be upon him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I was still striving to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Will you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Father God, we come before your throne. Lord, so thankful for this opportunity to meet here this morning. Thankful to have fellowship with one another. Thankful to be able to sing songs to your, your praise, your adoration. The majesty, the wonderful majesty of Christ we got to sing about this morning. We're so thankful for the breath that you've given us to be able to do that. And we're grateful, Lord, for uh, the freedoms that we have in this country to be able to do so. And so we just, uh, on our hearts, uh, especially during this time, Lord, we just, we pray for our country. We pray for our leaders, Lord. We pray that um, you would use uh, your, the, the, the leadership of our country uh, for, for good and, and for your glory, Lord, that you would turn them from um, self-serving principles to, to seeking the good of all people for your glory, God. We <coughs> pray for those who are out on the front lines protecting our rights and our freedoms, the military, their families, the police officers, the EMT, the fire, all those, Lord, who are servant, um, civil servants, Father. We're grateful, so grateful for all the freedoms we employ, and we, we know that those come at a cost, and so we just ask that you watch over them, protect them, Lord, be with their families. Father, thank you for this opportunity now to open up your word, to freely proclaim what you have given for us, Lord to contend for the faith that was once delivered for the saints. God, we just ask that you would meet with each and every one of us this morning, that your spirit would minister to our hearts as we are dealing with the sadness of the losing our sister. Uh, our loss is, is heaven's gain, Father, and we're so grateful for the promise of knowing that Myra is in your presence now. And uh, Father, just be with us, minister us to this this morning as we 
uh, try to glean these important teachings out of your word. And uh, Father, help us to apply them to our own hearts and to our own lives that we might live for you as we discussed last week, Lord, that we would deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and live for your glory. We ask it in Christ's precious and powerful name. Amen. All right, so we see the first 10 verses here. Paul is writing to the churches. So Galatia is not really a city, it's a region. Um, This is kind of a map, if you can see that. And um, Galatia is in... Uh, was in modern day, what is now modern day Turkey up there. You can see where that's at. And that's, uh, that's where Paul went on his first missionary journey and established these churches. And so it's in that area. That's a little cleaner map for you. And so Paul on his first missionary journey went into the region of Galatia and began to preach the gospel and to uh, call people to repentance and belief in Jesus Christ. And so this is kind of a timeline. I don't know if you guys can see that very well either. <laughs> But uh, it's on first, Paul's first missionary journey. He goes into this region, and this is all recorded in the book of Acts for us. And so we're going to, as we peel back the layers of, of the letter to, to the Galatians, we're going to see and refer to the book of Acts often because it records Paul's missionary journeys. And so Paul goes in, establishes the church, establishes the beautiful gospel message of, of salvation is by grace through faith alone, that Jesus paid the penalty, all those beautiful things. People receive that. Uh, but then we find out in the book of Acts, around uh, 49 A.D., be, people be called, they're called the Judaizers. And they claim to be Christian, but they begin to teach the teaching that in order for Gentiles to become Christians, they first had to be circumcised first under the Jewish laws and customs, and then they could become, uh, get, get saved and, and become baptized and follow after Jesus. And so they begin to introduce that there was a work that needed to be done before they could receive Christ as Messiah. And the council, the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15, the apostles meet together and they begin to discuss these things and they, they come to, to all in agreement that no, it is not works added to what Christ has done. It is by faith. It is through God's grace that we are saved and not by works of the law. But this false teaching begins to, to pervade, and especially in this region of Galatia. And so Paul hears about this, and so he writes this letter to the churches in the Galatian region. And again, we were reminded here in verses 6 of why, the reason why Paul is writing this. I'm amazed that you're so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. We see Paul's letters to the Thessalonians and to the, the church at Ephesus, and he, he, he starts his, his letter with this, uh, this greeting, grace and peace to you, and, and I, I'm so thankful to hear of your faith, Thessalonians, and how wonderful you're doing, how you're, in spite of your persecution, you're, you're enduring for the cause of Christ, and your, your, your faith goes before you, everyone in the region knows about you, and, and giving all these compliments to these churches, and, and then we see a completely different tone in his letter to the Galatians. I'm amazed that you're so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel. There's only one, right? But there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. It's a distortion 
We hear the biblical phrase often, a little leaven leaveneth the whole loaf. Loaf, not lope. I don't know what a lope is. Right? Oil and water, they don't mix. But you add oil to water, the water becomes contaminated. Anybody want to drink it? It's no longer pure. And Paul is writing saying, look, they're distorting the truth of the gospel, and that gospel that they're teaching is not the pure gospel. It's changing it. It's making it ineffective. It's like a counterfeit bill. Has anyone... I know, hopefully no one would answer. I've made counterfeit bills before. Have you, has anyone passed counterfeit bills and been called out for it? No one's willing to raise their hand, huh? Good. <laughs> right, what happens? Is it, does, that, does that bill look like the, uh, an original or like the real thing? Right? My brother was a Secret Service agent, and they're the, the Department of Treasury, and I remember him telling me that he, he went into the, his counterfeit training, and, and he thought they were going to have all these specialized tools and stuff to be able to determine what the, the genuine, how you can find a genuine bill versus the counterfeit bill. And what they did is they all passed it and gave, him, gave everybody a, a genuine $100 bill, and he, they said, study the genuine bill. The more you know the genuine bill the easier it is going to be to, 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 to find out the, the counterfeit. If you know the original, if you know everything about the original, then you know you can pick out the counterfeits pretty quickly. And counterfeit bills are passed, and, and as long as we think they're from the United States government, we have the faith that, right, we, we all pass this money out. It's a, it's a system of faith, is it not? It's not tied to the gold standard anymore. But we have faith that because our government printed this piece of paper that it's worth something. And as long as, long as all of us believe that, we're good. But it is a system of faith. But as soon as we find out that it wasn't printed from the government, that bill is not even worth the paper it was printed on because it's not coming from the correct source. It's counterfeit. It may look close to the original, but it's not the original. And we'll see here that Paul is writing and, and telling these churches, look, this is not something just to be sleight of hand with. This is very important. You cannot distort the gospel of Christ because it comes, becomes corrupted. It's not a saving gospel as we turn it from the grace of God through faith and turn it into a system of self-righteous works or religious works to add to what Jesus has done. What does he say? Those who are teaching this gospel, contrary to what we have preached, a curse be upon him. It's a very strong language. And as we have said before, I now say again, if anyone preaching to you a gospel, contrary to what you have received, a curse be upon him. He goes on to say, for I'm now... Am I trying to persuade people or God? He's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not writing this letter to persuade you because I fear of you and my relationship with you. I'm doing it for, the, for God because I am a servant of Christ. And he's contending for this gospel that Jesus purchased for us, the good news that Jesus paid it all. And so we see the reason why Paul is writing this, that people have come in, claim to be Christian, 
And we know through the book of Acts and, and reading between the lines here that obviously these what we call Judaizers, they've come in, they, they've claimed to be Christian, and they've come to this Gentile region, and they've said, look, if you want to be a Christ follower, first you have to become a Jew. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow these rules and laws and uh, the, the, the Mosaic customs and all those things. And, and, and it is distorting the good news that Jesus fulfilled all those things. But we also see that when they came and began to teach this, and it's a gospel contrary to what Paul teaches, they're also attacking Paul. They're attacking Paul's gospel, his message that he preached to the, and is established in this church, and by doing that, they're attacking him and his authority. Paul is an apostle. He has been given the authority, and that's what he's saying. That's why he starts off his letter to them saying, Paul, an apostle. He has the authority of Jesus Christ. He says, an apostle not from men, nor by men. It wasn't some council of of men that says, you are now an apostle of Jesus. It wasn't from from Peter. It wasn't any of that. But by Jesus Christ, Paul saw the risen Savior. The risen Savior appeared to him to be qualified in his apostle of Jesus Christ, you had to have seen the risen Savior. And we know Paul saw the risen Savior. And so Paul's saying, look, these guys are attacking my authority. They're safe. They come in and say, well, Paul's not really an apostle, right? The 12, he's not part of the 12. We know Judas betrayed, but after the, the apostles got together and they drew lots and they, they chose Matt, Matt, Matthias or Matt, Matthias, and so they came in and said, well, Paul's not really an apostle, so you can't listen to him. We're from the church of Jerusalem, and we say you have to be circumcised first. And so they're attacking Paul's authority. And why is that important for us today? Because if Paul is truly an apostle of Jesus Christ and was given the authority and inspired writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to tell us that salvation is by grace through faith, alone, and then by distorting the gospel, you're changing the gospel. If that's true for them, it's true for us today, because Paul is an apostle. And to teach otherwise, to teach contrary to what Paul is teaching in this book, is to go against the authority given him by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there's many teachings out there today that say, yes, you need Jesus. But you also need to be baptized. You also need to become a member of this church. Or you need to do these rules. You have to do enough of the, of the Ten Commandments long enough. And, and, and if you do it consistently enough, and, and then you, know, you might fall short here and there. But, but you have to do these things. And after all that you can do, then maybe Jesus will take care of the rest. It's adding to the gospel. Yeah, no one, I'm not aware of any group that's telling everyone that has to, they have to be circumcised before they become a Christian today. But the spirit of these Judaizers is alive and well today in false teaching. That Jesus is part of it, but you need to do your part as well. When the gospel message is, it is by grace through faith alone. Jesus paid it all. And so 
Paul writes and establishes his authority. Like, I'm an apostle, and I wasn't given it to by man, but Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. I am in a witness to, the, to, the, to Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. He is the one that gave me my apostleship. Paul was a Roman. He was a Jew. He was the perfect person chosen by God to go to the Gentiles, to be the apostle to the Gentiles because he understood them. He also understood the Jewish traditions and they, he understood how Christ fulfilled all the, the law, that, all that the law required. And so he was able to, to be the bridge for the Gentile to be able to receive and believe Jesus. He says in verse 2, all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is an, uh, often a greeting that you'll see in all of his letters, really, right? Grace and peace to you. He'll even conclude his letters. Grace and peace to you. But in this particular instance, I think Paul is taking what would be a normal greeting for a, the typical letter, and he's using it as his thesis statement for his letter. Grace to you. God's unmerited love and favor be extended to you. And peace, the peace that comes in knowing that no matter what happens in this world, that those of us who are in Christ have been, have been recipients of God's grace found in Jesus Christ alone. It doesn't matter what this world can do to us because we know deep down that all is well between ourselves and our God. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are at peace with God, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. A typical greeting, but I believe that the thesis statement that he's about ready to set out and try to course correct these churches in the Galatian region. It is about God's grace. It is about the peace that we are, are given and knowing that all is well between us. We're reconciled with our God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And how was that done? In verse 4, who gave himself for our sins, voluntarily went to the cross. Physically punished, yes. God's wrath poured upon him for the punishment of sin. Not his sin, but ours. He gave himself for our sins so that our just God can remain just by punishing sin. But Jesus took that punishment for us so that God can be both just and the justifier. He gave himself for our sins in what? To rescue us from this present evil age. Man, when I was studying that this week, that, that phrase right there just... Gave me so much comfort. He's rescued us from this present evil age. There's a lot of evil going on out in this world today. And those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we're just pilgrims passing through. This is not our home. God has rescued us from this present evil age. He's rescued us from our sin, what we truly deserve. It is unmerited. We don't do anything to earn it. He demonstrated his love towards us to, by sending his son to die for us and rescued us according to the will of our God and Father from the foundation of the world. 
This was his intent. To seek and to save those who are lost. To be reconciled, to be adopted, all those things. This was not plan B. This was God's intention for us. And I love verse 5 here, how as Paul's writing this, he, he just has to stop. This is how I'm envisioning it anyway. And as he's reminded of what God has done, he just couldn't help but give him the praise and the glory and the honor that is due him for what he's done. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The good news of the gospel is just amazing. But how quick it is, how easy it is for us as humans to distort the gospel. To appeal to the flesh and say, well, you, you have to do a little too. And that's what his warning to the church is. I'm amazed that you're so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And so what a great book for us to examine and to be able to, to pull these truths out, how Paul's going to lay out for us, how we can know for an assurity that it is through the grace of Christ and not by the works of the law that we can have a re reconciled relationship with our God. And the peace that comes in that. And so as we venture out and go, go through this book, I, I hope as we, as we peel back the layers of this, of, uh, of this letter, we'll see just the, the glorious gospel afresh and anew in our own eyes and our own mind, but also be able and to be equipped to be able to give an answer to those who is, have been taught differently. Those who are taught differently and believe differently, they're not our enemies. We're here to, to shine light and shine truth into their lives. You know, with the passing of Myra, I just have been reflecting on the time that I've had with her. I'm so grateful for it. But my prayer to God was, I'm just thankful that we were able to minister and, and give truth for the last two years that we've been here. Hopefully, maybe not perfectly. And how important the truth truly is. So let us contend for the faith. Let us be serious about this letter. And let us, through the illumination of the Spirit, see how important it is to keep the gospel pure. For us, for our children, for those who desperately need Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity, God, to come before your throne and and to reopen up your word and to, to see this preserved word that you've given for us, Lord, that we can have an assurance and a confidence in knowing that Jesus paid it all. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen, O oh God. You're so good to us. Help us to reflect your goodness and your love to those around us. Lord, we so desire you would use us in our community to be your light, to be your salt to be defenders to, with grace and love, to, to, to present the truth that you've given us in Jesus to those around us, Lord. Help us in that as we venture through the book of Galatians. 
God, we come and as we close, we will sing this song. And I pray that if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that uh, has not had that personal saving encounter with Jesus, that today would be the day that they would turn from whatever they're walking and embrace and, 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 and believe and receive Jesus as their only means in which they can have relationship with you, that they too can have eternal life. It is our heart's prayer, Lord, that those who do not know you will come to a saving knowledge. And so we pray that, that you would, your spirit would move upon their heart and convict them of their need to receive Jesus today. We thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you will do. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Brother Jim's going to come forward. We're having a song of invitation. This is an opportunity for you to um, interact with what we've learned today in prayer with God. And again, if anyone would like to be shown from Scripture how you can have a saving relationship with Jesus, I'd be honored to do so.